What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts happy friday welcome to episode 188 of municipal molly's today we are taking it all the way back to season one of chicago med we are covering season one episode 12 entitled guilty If you're wondering what this episode was, this was the one where Maggie got arrested. This was the one where Connor and Will had their like pseudo fight in the elevator. Uh, Will's still dealing with DNR aftermath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is an oldie, but really goody, actually. It's so, I really like this episode. Yeah, I I did too. I really like this one. There were a lot of moving parts here that came together and made it a really, really good episode. I enjoyed it. It's really, yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah, so uh, before we get into that, we do have a little bit of news. Just a little, not too much. Uh, got a little bitty scoop from Matt's Inside Line. Honestly, this is nothing we didn't know before, but somebody asked the question of, you know, I know the details surrounding the new seasons are being kept under wraps, but are we in for any kind of post-finale time jumps? And the answer was, excellent question. I hear that Fire and PD will in fact pick up right where their respective finales left off. Not entirely sure about Med's plan just yet though. I mean, I think I would almost prefer a time jump for Fire and PD at this point, just to spare us the pain of like those opening minutes of like, is Squad alive? Is Burgess alive? I would almost prefer a time jump at this point. See, I kind of am glad they're picking up right where they left off. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see. I, I don't know. Maybe excited is not the right word, but I, I'm kind of happy they're going to pick up right where they left off. But if they're picking up right where they left off, I feel like Med can't also not pick up right where they left off. If they do pick up where they left off, unless, gotta, unless yeah. the like Fire and Petey both pick up right where they left off for the first say like 10 minutes and you see you know the aftermath you see that Burgess is alive you see that squad's cool and then they do a time jump Burgess had better be alive as I you cross, know what I'm saying like-, like unless they do a time jump in like the middle of those episodes mm-hmm. to catch up with med I feel like med almost kind of has to have a time jump because of the eight Natalie and April stuff because as far as we know Yaya and Tori haven't been seen in Chicago like it doesn't look like they're planning to be in the first episode so i feel like how do you otherwise resolve the natalie and april stuff without mm-hmm. a time jump right right all good questions so i guess we'll see i'm not ready for i mean i'm ready to watch squad like they watch their way out of that plane hell yeah but I'm not ready for like Ruzik. I'm not ready for him at Burgess's bedside. I'm not ready for like the surgery scene of like, is she going to make it? Is she not going to make it? I'm not like, nothing kills me more than like intelligence in the waiting room at med. It just like, it hurts my heart. Okay. I just can't. 
It hurts, but it's going to feel so good then when she is alive. And the minute she walks up those stairs at the 21st into the bullpen, it's going to feel so good when she does that. She'd fucking better be alive, okay? (laughs) Like, she'd better be alive is all I'm saying. We did kind of indirectly get our first Marina sighting of the season, so... We sort of did. We've kind of been grasping at straws ever since. We're just, I, yep, yep. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take that unintended spoiler that was a spoiler and stick it in my pocket. Um, yeah, I've been like, the, like I'm following everybody now. I'm like, oh, you're a background actor. Let me follow you. Let me follow this other person <laughs> that just popped up and was suggested. I'm gonna go through all your photos now and zoom in and be like, who is that little tiny speck? Like that is me. I am that person. I have become that person. I know. I'm just waiting for the day that like in three weeks from now, PD's gonna be filming out in the middle of Chicago and someone's gonna spot her. And I'm like, just give it to me. I want to know. We just, just calm our nerves. Okay. Like, I don't think I, I get that. They're like, we don't want to spoil whatever, but like nerves guys, just, you don't realize how much the shy hearts like feel what's going on in the show. Just let us breathe. Like, I mean, fires pretty much almost indirectly been, you know, at, they've already kind of spoiled it. Yeah. Thank God for that. Thank you for your service. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for filming stuff out of order. And so we know that they're alive. I mean, we're not not going to watch knowing these people are alive. If anything, that makes us more excited to watch just because we're like, oh, thank God they're alive. (laughs) Now, how do they get out of there? Yeah, they're going to Baywatch their way out. It's going to happen. But now knowing that they've been sighted, I'm like, Oh God, thank you. Whew. I know that first picture of Taylor. I was like, oh my God. I was yeah, like, okay. Right. right? Insert sound bite of like, hallelujah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the minute they spot Marina out and about, I will be like, oh, thank God. Oh my God. Oh, oh I can breathe. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's stressful. It's stressful. Season finales and mid-season finales. Like when those happen, check on your shy hard friends, guys. It's just, we're not okay when that happens. No. Mid-season finales and season finales. We're not okay. I mean, really, are we ever okay? Because sometimes they throw in those random episodes and you're like, that was so, I, yeah. There was the time that Casey and Severi like yeeted themselves off the roof of the river. <laughs> yeah. That was a great one. That was, that was a great a, one. Was that a mid-season? I don't think it was actually. I think it was just a random hiatus. Like we were going, they were going on break for like NFL or something. And it was like for two or three weeks. And that was what they left us with was that shot. Like the still of like Casey and Severide with like a fireball behind them. (laughs) And their hands like all, yeah. 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 I mean, that was mildly stressful as well. My, just mildly though. Mildly. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. No, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's the news so <laughs> if you guys see anything else out there i mean of course send it to us you guys are really good about that and we do appreciate it it helps us a lot because again it's two of us versus the internet and you know we've got jobs outside of one chicago which i know is like crazy to fathom but it happens unfortunately uh, we have jobs yeah right right so just send us news if you got it. That would be great. So um, no patron shout outs today. That's okay. If you guys would like to support us on Patreon, please head to the link in our socials and you can check out the different 
perks and see which tier might be good for you. We're planning another one, another happy hour. We're talking about it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about doing another patron happy hour the week before the season premieres. So if you would like to join us, if you want to zoom with us and just chill for like four hours um, or longer, head to the link. See, you can support the pod for as little as $2 a month. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time to move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So as we said before, this is Chicago Med season one episode 12, entitled Guilty. So this one was written by Mary Leah Sutton, Danny Weiss, and friend of the pod, Stephen Hootstein. Yeah. 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 We always ask that. We'll, we'll get like midway through recording an episode and be like, who wrote this again? So I'm I glad. know. I actually yeah. thought about it ahead of time. And especially as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is really good. I wonder who wrote it. And yeah. then I went, I was like, okay, like I thought about it. Love it. Oh, oh, one more note before we start, guys. Um, you guys know about our Tea Public store, right? We've got new designs out today. So go check our Tea Public page. We've got new designs. Gina has discovered Procreate. Gina's loving Procreate way too much. And uh, I'm having a blast over there. So there's like five new designs, four new designs, including a Joe Cruz jersey. Go check that out. Um, and they're always on sale for the first like 48 hours. So go yeah. do the thing and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. But uh, yeah, so this was written by three different writers, Stephen Hootstein being one of them. The air date on this episode was March 28th of 2016. It's five years ago. How was 2016 five years ago? I don't know. What? That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's so insane. Okay, so we broke this down by storyline. And by we, I mean Bryna, because Bryna's the real MVP. And I know this is one of your favorites. This is like your all-time favorite Met episode, isn't it? Um, not my all-time favorite Met. I mean, I do really like this episode. Um, it has one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really like this episode. Yeah, so start us off. Let's go. All right, let's talk about Maggie and Connor. Um, but I think this storyline in particular is really interesting to go back and look at with a 2021 lens. Yeah. Um, obviously it was still relevant in 2016, but I think we've been through a lot of shit in the last five years as a country and as a world. And I think this episode, especially this storyline in particular, is just interesting to re-examine with the 2021 lens. Oh, big time. You know, the first thing I noticed when this episode like opened was how many people were in the ED. We haven't seen that in you know, a season and a half now just because of the pandemic and everything. I was like, man, the ED's crowded. Holy shit. I wasn't even looking at that. I was looking in at, at how different the ED looked because it mm-hmm. wasn't as like that sleek modern design that it is kind of currently. Yeah. And I was looking, I was like, there are a lot of different like nurses and stuff. Like I feel like now the nurses like in the background and stuff are kind of pretty regular. Like I'm not, I'm usually seeing the same faces, but these were all such different. I was like, who are all these people? Mm-hmm. I don't know any of them. <laughs> yeah anyway so basically you know normal day in the ed ed's bumping um and maggie of course informs everyone that like trauma is incoming including a uniformed cpd officer that's been you know is coming in thankfully we don't know them yeah thankfully (laughs) um connor takes this 18 year old boy who was clearly clearly drunk and is apparently drove his bmw into someone's house as one and, does yeah so connor takes him um ethan and i think it's reese take the uh other police officer 
Uh, but the officer who pulled the 18 year old out of the wreckage, like wants to do a DUI blood draw, but Connor's like, no, he's got to get up to the OR. Like, you know, is injuries are very, you know, it's important that we get to them like as soon as possible. Plus Connor even asked the kid, like, do you give consent to do a DUI blood draw? And the guy's like, no. And so Connor's like, okay, we're going straight to surgery now. Connor usually gets on my damn nerves, but he was smart to do that in this moment. Yeah. But I guess lawyer, Gina, I have a question. Okay. (laughs) I mean, what the officer was saying was, you know, like, obviously they have the right to do it, but then Connor and them are like, oh no, that's the hospital. Like we don't have to do this. I mean, is it right? I mean, like, I guess that's right, right? Like, the hospital can do whatever they want against, you know, I mean, not whatever they want, but, you know, if it's terms of keeping the patient alive and that would be hindering the patient, you know, them keeping the patient alive, I guess they're allowed to do that. Yeah, there's there's a there's a way bigger conversation that is kind of sparked by this episode. And I thought about this too, was that like, you know, okay, yeah, on the cop side, they're completely right. Like, it's obstructing an investigation. They need the blood draw. Okay. And if they wait, yeah, his blood alcohol level is going to come down. Yeah. Okay, great. But also the hospital does have this duty to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's definitely two competing forces. Um, and both are completely valid. And even the scene with Goodwin and Voight, I was just like, well, like Goodwin's making a lot of sense, but so is Voight. And I think in this case, and, and it, I think it also sparks the bigger conversation of like how much power is too much power for the police because the police went out in this instance, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the other thing I was thinking too was that if, so he, he didn't consent. If he didn't consent and they drew the blood anyway, they could leave themselves open to a charge of battery, like physical assault, because they, they touched him without his consent, basically, is what that is. The police could. Right. So he could sue the police department for touching him without his consent. Right. But then at the same time, does investigating the DUI count as an exception to that? Is that an exigent circumstance that would circumvent that? Well, I guess what my, I guess my question more so is they don't really touch on it. That's not really the point of this episode or Mm -hmm. this storyline, but like who overrides who? Like, obviously the police typically would have, you know, they are right. Like they are obstructing just, or Maggie in this case is obstructing, you know, the investigation. Mm -hmm. Like the police can do what they need to do. But typically the hospital is also always right in that like their duty is to keep the patient alive. But when you have those two things competing against each other, who's legally comes out on top? Like who is supposed to come out on top? I, I mean, I think I think the hospital should come out on top to keep them alive. I but I don't think I think in practice that's not how it works, which is why I think it sparks the conversation of how much power is too much power for the police. Right. I just, I just, that was something I was thinking about. I was like, they don't really spend a lot of time on it. And again, that's not the point of this storyline in this episode, but I was like, okay, well, legally, who is supposed to come out on top? Is it the police or is it the hospital? In a perfect world, I think it's supposed to be the hospital in a perfect world, but in practice in America, you know, in 2021's America or even 2016's America, it's the police. What I was going to say too, and I think legally and ethically, they're two different questions too. Mm -hmm. Like legally, it could be one thing, but ethically, yeah, I think it should be the hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, the keep the person alive. Um, But that may be different than what's legally right too. I don't know. It was just things to think about in this episode. Um, But anyway, like I said, so the police officer whose partner, you know, is down, 
um, was like we were just talking about says, you know, they're obstructing this investigation. And Maggie's like, this is a hospital. Like our priority is to treat patients, not make arrests. So the officer threatens Maggie, like either get her the blood or Maggie's under arrest. And Maggie's like, do what you got to do. So Maggie gets arrested. I love how Maggie shut her down with her finger. She was like, nah, like this is Maggie's house. Don't fuck with it. Yeah. And then she like, Hey, she just like holds up her wrist and she's like, do what you got to do. Yeah. I'm glad she did. And Ethan was like, you don't have to do this. No, but she does like, she doesn't have to do this, but she's making a statement by doing that. She's making a statement and saying, this is my ED. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so of course Sharon has to go down to the 21st she's trying to bail Maggie out of jail you know all that stuff and so she goes down to the 21st and talks to Voight on Maggie's behalf and Voight's like listen like I get it but like we were just talking about like there are other things that you know also have to be in to consideration here but Sharon's just like Hank it's Maggie that's in there like and I'm asking you as a friend to get her out and Voight's like I I can't there is nothing I can do I call Um, bullshit on that so hard I know. I think if he really wanted to, he could have. He just didn't want to get his hands dirty, which like, Hank, you suck. Yeah. So like we said, Voight basically just says like, they're not going to release her until after she's been processed and arraigned, which like, great. So they're actually going to charge her. So later on in the episode, Connor checks on the boy. His surgery went well. He's of course just going to be just fine. And the boy's dad comes in and is like, telling his son that he talked to the family lawyer and he's like oh yeah whatever his name is can probably make it go away especially because no one got seriously hurt and connor's just in the background he's like um actually someone did get hurt um but connor like holds his mouth and you know keeps his lips shut and doesn't really say anything else he just excuses himself for the scene but yeah no one physically got hurt but maggie got hurt when she got arrested no the cop got hurt yeah i mean yeah, that's true. I guess the cop got hurt, but like Maggie got hurt too. And I mean, you know, it may not have been physically, but she got arrested. I mean, yeah, that she shouldn't have gotten arrested for exactly. And and the 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 impact of getting arrested, like all around, just from you know, like the mental impact, yes, but the other the other areas where that could have impacted her life, like it's huge. One especially, I mean, her being a black woman. Oh, big time, big time. You know, yeah so connor goes to see goodwin and admits that like he feels like it's his fault he wants to take the blame he wants to go turn himself in especially if it means getting maggie out of jail and goodwin's just like calm yourself like it's not your fault either like i've got it handled it's fine connor your god complex is showing yeah but of course natalie comes in and interrupts them and connor's like you handle this i'll go pick up maggie (laughs) so connor goes to pick up maggie he starts telling her that why he you know came to pick her up and like he did it because he feels bad and just played this audio i have sat in jail my buddy and i uh summer before i went to college we got busted trying to buy drugs off of an undercover cop you yeah I mean, come on, at that age, you think you're invincible, right? Turns out, only one of us was right. My dad pulled some strings, and he got me off. 
What about your friend? Well, his dad didn't own a department store. Turns out the lifeboat was only big enough for one of us, so I had a choice. I could stand by my friend, or I could jump in. So I jumped in the boat. I'm honored that you would share this with me. But if you want to make amends, you need to call your friend. I can't. He died of an overdose before I could... before I could work up the nerve. I love so many things about this moment. This is my favorite. I mean, I think this is by far my favorite med scene. Like, this was in my top ten favorite scenes. I, I love this scene. I love, okay, I love the little things. I love that he opened the door for her. That's just adorable. I don't know. It just, it's just cute. I love that he checks his privilege. Like, yeah. there is nobody in the Chicago Med universe who is more privileged than Connor Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I love that he recognizes it in this moment. So self-aware. Yeah, that's the thing that, that's the first thing that draws me in about it too. But then I guess from a character side point, this is what I loved about Connor is that he did do things like that. Like, yeah, he may have a God complex or whatever, but in the beginning he would check his privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's really hard. You someone who's grown up in a world of privilege to do, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a lot. It is, it takes a special person to check their privilege. Um, you know, cause a lot of people don't, unfortunately, but, um, and I think that's what made him such a complex and dynamic character is the fact that he has all this privilege, but yet still somewhat stays grounded because unfortunately he's gone through things where his privilege has helped him out and he realized that that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, so I just, I love this as a Connor moment too. Um, and I, I hate that we never really got a lot of this. You know, I will on. never ever understand why they wrote him out ever like there's still so much more they could have done with him could you imagine connor working with crockett the things things those two would have accomplished together oh don't even they would have vibed off each other so hard they would have like moved mountains and done like crazy medical innovations (laughs) they would have like won a harper avery together yeah that would have been amazing. They would have vibed so well. Like, it's just wrong that they did Connor like that. I know. And I think, unfortunately, because, I, unfortunately and unfortunately, because we lost Connor, we got Crockett. So, like, I'm grateful for that because I love Crockett so much. Mm-hmm. But, like, I will also always be so mad because we lost Connor. Yeah, but it, it's like the taco commercial. Like, why not both? Why can't we have both? <laughs> I know. I know. They would have worked so well together. Yeah. And they but... would have pushed each other in a healthy way, like, in a good way. Yeah. Um, I also love how in this scene in particular, like the story that he's telling Maggie is ultimately what helps him with the will stuff later on, which we'll get to. Um, and obviously this story has always affected Connor, but the fact that I think it's in the forefront of his mind, it really affects what he's, you know, happens with Will later. And I just, I, I, 
I love it. I love it. Love it. It's good. And it's not even, he's not even confessing it in a way to like, he's not even trying to atone for what he did. He's just telling Maggie, like, this is why the system irritates me as well. Like as much as it does, like this should not have happened to you. Yeah. He's definitely not trying to atone. I mean, he's already, you know, done that. And I think unsuccessfully in part, because obviously he never got to apologize to his friend, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, he's already worked through that, but yeah he still it still pisses him off and as it should yeah big time um but of course the storyline ends just with maggie getting back to the er and she's just welcome with open arms and everyone just loves that she's back and it's just it's so good oh my god connor and maggie walking walking in like arm in arm they're so cute like stop being so cute it's really cute I, I, i just yeah go ahead I was gonna say, and she makes that comment about how, like, if he was an Uber driver, I'd give him five stars or something. It's so cute. <laughs> the way that that ED will, like, take a bullet for Maggie, like, anybody in that ED would just, like, protect Maggie from anything. Like, don't fucking touch Maggie. Maggie is Maggie. Like, we everybody protects her at all costs, and I love that. Yeah. I love that. Maggie is precious. Mm-hmm. Protect at all costs. Yes, At please. all costs. So then across the hospital, being stubborn as can be, is Gina's favorite redhead, William. And Brent is already shaking her head. She's like, oh, fuck. Jesus. I'm just like, Will, like, are you an idiot or are you an idiot? And the answer is yes. <laughs> are you an idiot or serious? Like, Will, what are you? I also... It was kind of, okay, one little quick comment. No, you're good, you're good, go for it. As I was watching this episode, or as I was watching this storyline in particular, I realized how kind of similar it is to what Will went through this season. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember that as much. Like, I I didn't remember with, like, the clinical trial and all that stuff. Like, I obviously remember the DNR, but I forgot about that. And I was like, oh, shit. It begs the question of, like, season, what season are we going into? Seven? What season are we going into of med? Seven? Seven. Okay, that is the question of season six, Will, where I'm like, wait, does he want to stay in clinical trials because he feels like he can manipulate the results? Because that's some shady shit, if so. Wouldn't surprise me. He's now tried to do it twice. Well, he did it once. He tried to do it this time. Will needs some therapy. (laughs) That's an understatement. Like, okay, you went into the trial because you were searching for, like, the love and acceptance you didn't get from Goodwin. And then you went in, you fucked that up too. So like, where is this coming from? (laughs) What went wrong in your life, William? And I honestly forgot about Zoe. I really forgot about that part too. And obviously with Sabina in this season, I was like, uh, I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Zoe the pharma girl. Yeah, never forget. Uh, One of my gymnastics friends earlier, she was making an Olympics tweet during Gina mentioned the Olympics. And she actually used a (laughs) gif of Sabina. And like, my brain didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, it's a Chicago friend. And I was like, wait, wait, no, no. This is a gymnastics friend. My brain's exploding. Hold on. Like, like, let me scroll back up. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't reconcile the two. You're like, wait, my areas are like, they're, all my different areas of life are like cross crossing over and yeah it's funny but it was the it was the gif of her being like get out when she found out about will oh so, yeah. yeah yeah i was thinking about this yesterday that like the closer we get to the beginning of the seasons the more i realize i don't think sabina's coming back or i feel like they would have mentioned it by now and i get really sad <laughs> like i get really sad i'm sad for ethan yes me too never mind will we'll be fine i'm sad for ethan 
like I was just thinking about that. I was like, damn, they haven't said anything. I guess I haven't lost hope completely, but like it doesn't seem likely. Oh shit, that means we're not gonna get any more chess. And I was like, damn. Damn. He needs another chess buddy. And then I saw that promo, that 15 seconds. I was like, oh shit, Ethan's in the hospital bed. Like I forgot about that too. And I was like, damn. Yeah, Ethan got shot in the back very casually. I know. Yeah. Anyway, back uh, to Will. Okay, so back with Will. Will is meeting with Goodwin and the med lawyer because he's still dealing with the fallout from the DNR. Med lawyer whose name we can never remember. Ever, ever. ever. And it's, it's a bit at this point. Like, we could remember it, but we're just like, whatever. Like, no, I just genuinely never remember it. Okay, so so my question here with this scene, okay, A, I was laughing right off the bat because I was like, oh, fuck, this is the DNR. I forgot about that. But B, Goodwin's face, like two seconds into this, is just like this bitch. Like, again, <laughs> you remember how like years ago I was like, dude, I wonder if Boyd even respects Jay. Remember that? Yeah, you went through a really big phase about that. I wanted the answer and then I got the answer, so I was happy. Okay, <laughs> my new question is, does Goodwin even respect Will? No. How does she, like, I, yeah. But, how could, but honestly, I don't blame her. Because I, exactly. this is season one and Will was doing this dumbass shit in season one. Mm -hmm. And then you think he may have turned things around and, you know, he's got his life on track. Then he's, you know, engaged to Natalie, whatever. But then he does the dumb shit with the FBI, like all that shit, ruins his red wedding, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, okay, maybe Will's kind of getting his shit together again. And then, nope, he just done fucked it up again with the clinical trials, this time with Savina. So how does, I, I don't respect him. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't, but I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but would you want Will to be your doctor? Like, in the, if you were, would you want Will to be your doctor? No, no. <laughs> I wish exactly. Crockett was available exactly i mean i wouldn't mind waking up and his face being the first thing i see depending on what was wrong with me that's my that's the lawyer answer that i would give depending on what is wrong with me so if you just need some stitches you're fine yeah i'm okay with that yeah if you need like full complex like workups and things no yeah if i just like randomly pass out in like a random spot i want crockett because, like, Crockett's going to care about me, but also still have that, like, will determination to get to the bottom of it. And he's not going to do anything too stupid. No, he won't. Will is just going to, like, yeah, Will's just going to be like, fuck all, like, whatever. Yeah. Oh, you need this drug? Okay, let me just go illegally <laughs> grab it for you. No problem. Yeah. <gasps> let me go check with the black market on how I can get that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, William. Like, I just... But I can't help it. Like, I don't know why. It's the it's the hair. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the med lawyer is like, okay, so was the husband conflicted? Like, you know, Will said, because Will was like, oh yeah, the husband was totally conflicted while like I ignored this DNR. And he's like, okay, well, maybe that infers that his wife wanted to live. And then Will's just like, everything happened so fast. And the lawyer's like, don't say that. Don't say that. Uh, the other thing that cracks me up is when he's like, uh, he's like, no, like if, if they, if, like if the attorneys are going to, like, they're going to have your license. And I'm like, that's every episode. When is Will's license not in jeopardy? 
put actually though it's currently in jeopardy right now as we stand really it's when will's license is not in jeopardy that you need to worry but actually though but actually though but actually though so then of course goodwin has to leave when she hears the maggie news and i know deep down inside she's like thank god it's like oh shit but thank god See, and if we get another opportunity to talk to Epatha, I would ask that question. I'd be like, "What? how does Goodwin feel about Will? Does she just want to punch him? Because, like, I understand. Yeah. I get it. Same. What is with these Halstead brothers and, like, driving their bosses fucking crazy? That's a great question. <laughs> it's a mystery, man. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. So Will is waiting for the elevator and he runs into the Baker family. That's so awkward. It's awkward because like the elevator's open, doors open, and they're all just standing there. And Will's like, uh, uh, I'll get the next one. Awkward turtle. Or no, awkward turtle. It's upside down turtle. Never mind. Awkward turtle. Yeah, it's it's upside down. Awkward turkey. Yeah, like all of the things. Um, Oh, it's so awkward. Just awkward stairs everywhere. So then Will is checking out patients in the ED because this is like the flu apparently is going to Chicago like crazy. Remember back in like the days when we were so innocent and it was just the flu? I, it's so funny. I've been to the doctor recently and they asked me, they're like, oh, did you get a flu vaccine? And I like honestly forgot to get a flu vaccine last year because like, hello, COVID. I was so worried about trying to get the COVID vaccine. Right. I was like, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Like man. I didn't. We were so innocent. So young. I know. Oh, man. So he's checking out patients in the waiting room and he runs into Jennifer Baker's daughter, Bailey, and she's looking for markers to finish her picture and blah, blah, blah. And what what Will actually should have done in this instance is be like, oh, you should go talk to the woman at the desk. But no, he's like, hold my hand. Let me walk you over there. BT dubs. Tell me what's happening with your mom in crazy detail. I know. I was like waiting for the moment where the dad would like come around the corner and see them and like all hell would break loose. I was just like waiting for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So then she's like, mom's been sick, like really sick. Like she had to get a shot. And Will's just like, oh, like, hmm, tell me more. <laughs> With like the Austin Powers, like finger to the mouth. Yeah. So then Connor comes into the doctor's lounge and he's venting about his patient because he's like this fucking kid, like whatever. He's venting about his patient and that's when Will asks him for a favor. So Will basically asks Connor to log in for him because like Will, he can't look at Jennifer Baker's records, but like Connor could. But the thing that drives me nuts about the scene is just, it's such a reminder of how deprived we were of a roadstead romance. These two would have had such a good friendship. I know, literally all of the stuff kind of towards the end when like Connor goes back for him and whatever, I was like, damn, I was like, this was good shit. It was good shit. Those two could have been really good as friends. Like it was totally unnecessary to pit them against each other. Mm-hmm. Totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Not cool. So yeah, Connor's like, well, you caught me on the good day because I don't give a fuck. So Connor gives Will his code to log in so he can look at Jennifer's records, great, whatever. So then Will tracks down Zoe. Remember Zoe, the pharma girl? Zoe, the pharma girl. Yep. I didn't. So <laughs> I didn't remember that her name was Zoe. She was just pharma girl to me. I forgot. Well, but wait, no, he didn't. I thought, in, I thought in season one, he hooked up with the psychiatrist or was that Con? not the psychiatrist? Um, that was Connor who hooked up with the other random surgeon. I don't remember her name. Connor. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Zoe, the pharma girl. So 
she's like, well, you know, okay. So Jennifer Baker had had a pulmonary embolism like a couple days before that, which is a fancy word for a blood clot in your lungs. I'm telling you, I could be a TV doctor at this point. Um, yeah. And so she's, or he's like, well, I didn't access the records. Like somebody did it for me. And so he's like, Dr. Manning, your jealousy showing, stop it. I just, so, and he's like, that's not important. He's like, yeah, that he's doesn't like, matter. Whatever. But he basically figures out that Jennifer's on the placebo and like any other doctor would just be like, moving on. Will's like, I have to tell her. And he, I was honestly more shocked about the fact that he's like, hey, Zoe, can you uh, risk your clinical trial to get her on the drug so it'll save her life? And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Why is this a pattern? Why does he keep doing this? Like, do you know what a clinical trial is? Like, who, like, did you go to medical school? He needs therapy. Why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep trying to manipulate the data? That's an interesting question. Listen, I just watched Dr. Death not too long ago. So like sociopathic doctors are like on my mind. I just, I honestly wonder, you know how we had all our like Halstead theories. I wonder if it has something to do with the past. Cause this is now two times in a row. That's a great question. That's a great question. And I wonder how much that has changed because the original plan was for Pat Halstead to be a doctor and then he wasn't. So that is a great question. I would be really curious to hear what Nick thinks about that. Well, especially because if their mom was sick, mm-hmm. she could have potentially been on a clinical trial of some sort, yada, yada, yada. But this is now twice now with yeah. both clinical trials. And maybe I'm just reading too much into this. But... Nick Elphis would be the perfect cast member to play the headcanning game with. Perfect. Yeah. I'd be, I, I wonder what he'd have to say to that. Huh. huh. Write that one down. <laughs> I will write that one down in our question document. So, uh, yeah. So Zoe goes to find Connor and she's like, listen, hi. Well, like, I'm Zoe. Can you please go save Will from doing something dumb? And Connor's like, Connor's already kind of pissed off. He's like real agitated because of what's happened in the day. And he's like, no worries. Like, I'm in the perfect place to do this. And this is when they have their like pseudo wrestling match in the elevator. It's so bad. I forgot all about it, but I love when, like, because obviously, like you said, he, Will Connor basically gets in the elevator, stops it, and basically, like, starts wrestling Will to the ground, whatever, and he has him, like, pinned against the door, and he's like, you're a good doctor. The world needs good doctors, you ass. Like, it's just, it's so good. I need to make some merch off of that quote, like, the world needs good doctors, you ass. I, that's just funny that's just funny especially given how like have you ever seen any behind the scenes of how they shoot elevator scenes maybe i don't know it's literally like they set up this like it, it, it's all i mean obviously it's fake it's not actually an elevator but it's like a, a tiny teeny room where like you know they've got three walls set up so it looks like an elevator and just i just imagine those two going back and forth like smushing each other's faces against the wall and like saying their lines Jesus. it's just, yeah it's an awkward scene it's awkward but it's really you know it serves its purpose mm-hmm. yeah so the end of the episode connor and will are at molly's and i i didn't like i didn't pick up on like the magnitude of the scene when it aired but this like seeing it again i was like oh that was good so yeah connor and will end up at molly's and herman's like hey how was your day like did you save any lives and those two just don't say a word like they're pissed, they're not in good moods, they just sit there. And that's how they finish their beer. They don't say a word to each other. 
Mm-hmm. And then it goes black. And it goes black. It's not a bad ending. It's a good scene. It's an interesting episode. Yeah, for sure. So. Okay. So let's talk about Natalie. <laughs> I love how, I don't think this is probably the first episode, but I love how Natalie suspecting child abuse is such a common theme all the way back to season one. I mean, I don't love it. That sounds weird to say, but you know what I mean? Like, I love how the, her first thing was like, oh, it was child abuse. It really shouldn't be funny, but it is. Like, every time she's like, I'm sure this is it. It's like, Natalie, here you go again. It's like, oh, clearly it's not going to be. We'll just wait to see what is mm-hmm. it actually is. But anyway, so Natalie gets this mom who comes in with her baby. The baby is just seems to keep wailing and being fussy and just constantly being upset. So Natalie takes a look at the baby. She orders a baby CT. And the mom opens up like while they're waiting on the CT and, you know, the mom's like, oh, you know, I've had a rough couple of days or, you know, rough time. You know, the baby doesn't have a father in the picture. Like my parents wanted me to terminate the pregnancy. And she's like, you know, so here we are just doing a bus, you know, doing the best we can. Natalie totally judged her at the outset too, because she was like, like she, or something about like, is the baby's father around? And she said something and she was like, you don't know who the baby's father is. Yeah, Natalie is like being really judgy. She's so judgy. So CT comes back. And of course, not only does the baby have retinal hemorrhages, but also subdural hematoma and cerebral edema, which if you watch any medical show, you know what those are. Mm -hmm. Because of course, they like started saying that. I was like, I know what that is. I was like, I got it. Um, Which of course, but apparently having all three of those things is like the ultimate trifecta, which means the baby has what is known as shaken baby syndrome. And Natalie is sure of this. And Natalie goes to Goodwin. She's like, I, like we said, she's like, I suspect child abuse. And this is what it is. And Goodwin's like, are you sure the symptoms can't be anything else? And Natalie even says, she's like, I cannot draw any conclusion here other than child abuse. Because <laughs> you like, literally Jesus don't Christ. know how to make any other conclusion, Natalie. Yeah. And Goodwin's like, Dr. Manning, you know, once I pick up that phone and notify DCFS, like, it's out of our hands. And Natalie's just like, a mother intentionally harmed her child. I think it's the right call. And I was like, oh, my God. I know. Jesus Christ. There's a TikTok Um, sound that I thought of immediately that would apply to this, but it would fall on deaf ears because you're not a fan of TikTok. But, yeah, it's the Pikachu one for anybody who actually knows TikTok. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) <laughs> um so of course goodwin calls dcfs dcfs and goodwin come and inform you know the mom that um she's you know has to come with them like she had you know they're taking her away from her baby and she like is creaking and screaming saying like she doesn't want to leave her baby she's done nothing wrong she hasn't abused it you know whatever all this time they were waiting on the baby, you know, the mom had made a comment about how, you know, she had taken her do- the baby to a doctor over at Advocate South, which I guess is another hospital. I mean. In the area, some, it's some kind of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And so, of course, they finally get the baby's records from Advocate South. And Natalie's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so Natalie goes to see Goodwin and shows her the baby's records and basically admits that she made a horrible mistake because apparently the baby was injured before birth when the mom was in a car accident while she was pregnant. So it was nothing the mom did. It was just, you know, the baby had been injured before she even was born. So Natalie's like, oh shit, like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. <laughs> and of course, 
the mom is a very upset and doesn't want Natalie or any of the med doctors near her baby, which I mean, honestly, sometimes I can't blame her, but um, can we just take a second to take a drink at the, I made a huge mistake. I'm just going to drink. Natalie made a mistake. I mean, I don't have any thing to drink, but I would, if I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. So then, of course, they're waiting for the baby, you know, because the mom is, like, demanding that her baby gets discharged. She, again, doesn't want anything to do with med right now. But while they're waiting on that, the baby starts seizing. And they're ultimately able to get her back. But the mom is concerned, you know, just, like, how long she's going to have these seizures. And Natalie just keeps telling her. She's like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. And so the storyline ends and you see Natalie and Goodwin talk it while they're watching, you know, the mom with the baby and Goodwin's like, you know, there are maybe 17 different agencies ready to jump in when they suspect, suspect abuse, but like who jumps in when it's a single mother who's struggling, um, which I kind of really hit me. I was like, you're right. Like it's very quick to suspect that like somebody's done something wrong, but like nobody really wants to help people when they actually are truly just good people mm-hmm. and who need a little bit of help. Yeah. Um, and Natalie admits, she's like, you know, she's right. Like I did judge her and she's like, you know why? But like, because I can imagine it, you know? And like at this time too, it's also hard for me to forget like Natalie was a single mom. I mean, obviously Natalie is a single mom throughout the whole show, but like she was truly, you know, she didn't have, she wasn't in a relationship with Will or Crockett or anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like she was truly in it by herself at this point. And Owen was a newborn too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So Yeah. I would love to keep a running tally of how many times Natalie suspects child abuse, though. Oh, my God. We should really start, like, when Chicago stats. We should. We should. That's a good and, idea. like, keep something like that. You know, like, how many times Kevin kicks down doors? Or, you know, like, just, like, random stuff like that. Right. Like, how many times does Natalie suspect a child abuse? Right. A lot. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. That's funny. Uh, Yeah. We could have some interesting stats if we did that. That would be fun. For real. Yeah, I hear you there. So, well, yeah. So last up, we've got Reese and Dr. Charles. I love this one. I forgot this was this episode. There were a lot of good things in this episode. Like This is a really good storyline, too. Yeah. Um, It's also, I mean, Reese was never my favorite character, but it is sometimes nice to see her around. I'm like, oh yeah, like serious. Like I'm like, sometimes I forget about her. Like she's just same. Not my favorite, but you know, it's always nice when she's, I'm like, oh yeah. 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 So Reese treats this guy who got clipped by a car, clipped by a car. That's it. The guy's a lawyer. He's a big to do, got clipped on a way, on his way to like file a motion or something. So Reese is like, okay, well, I need Arthur to come take a look, but the client, Mr. The client, the lawyer, the patient, Mr. Dietrich, he's like, I don't want to get worked up. Like I've got to file an emergency motion before lunch. Okay. That's great. So the guy's like, I know the orthodox at Northwestern. Like if I make an appointment with him, please just like, let me go. So Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, wait a second. Like not so fast. Let me at least just help you with putting his knee brace on. And Dr. Charles asks him a couple questions about like whether he wants to call his wife and, you know, Mr. Dietrich's like, no, that's no, it's fine. And something in this episode, the whole way is just kind of off about Dr. Charles. Like something's just off. Like his hair is kind of a mess. He's not wearing his glasses that he always wears. Just and he's got a coffee stained shirt. Yeah. And he he's being pretty short with everybody, like very short, very to the point. And so, uh, 
Yeah, he asks him a bunch of questions. And then as they leave the room, Dr. Charles is like, hey, well, hey, give me a heads up before you discharge him. So Reese is about to discharge him and Dr. Charles stops him from leaving. And he's just like, listen, like, I'm not convinced that the accident you had was just an accident. Which this is a pretty big leap from like, give me a heads up to like, all of a sudden, I suspect that you want to kill yourself. That's a big leap. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for Dr. I mean, especially for Dr. Charles, who never... Sometimes you may not understand why he's doing things he's doing, but he's never someone who quickly reacts like that. And this just seemed very unlike him. Yeah. And, and I get it. I think given what was going on with him in this episode, I think he was going off pure instinct, but in general, that that's a very out of character move for him to make. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Goodwin hears what's going on and she's just kind of like, all right, I think you're jumping the gun. Like, you're not usually quick to do this, but I'm still going to let you do your thing. Like, I'm just, you she's know. like, I've got a bigger shit to deal with right now. Like you do you. Yeah. What cracked me up when she, when he was like, give me time to like pull down the mask. And she was like, just do it in a way that doesn't complicate my life. <laughs> she's like, I got too much shit going on today. Poor Goodwin, man. I mean, if I'm like, do, do you think Goodwin hates her job? Like, she deals with Sometimes. a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. She deals with a lot of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So uh, they put Mr. Dietrich in psychiatric observation and, and Dr. Charles checks in. So we'll just play this. I can tell you that uh, I'm a happy man and I have a perfect life, which I do. But you've already got your mind made up about me. Mr. Dietrich, I don't have my mind made up about anything. I am genuinely here to help. Help? Yeah. This is how you justify yourself. Look at you. So smug, so sure of yourself. Like you know me, you don't know me. So go ahead, tell me what my problem is. Tell you what your problem is? Yeah, come on, enlighten me, Dr. Freud. Doesn't really work that way. Okay, wow, so you don't know, do you? This is your job and you don't have a clue. So you got all those people fooled out there, huh? You know what? Um, I think we are hitting a bit of a wall. Yeah. So you know why? Because I shouldn't be here in the first place. I'll check in on you later. Okay. Yep. Hope you got your malpractice premiums paid up. I thought this scene was fascinating. Yeah. Like the back and forth and obviously Dietrich calling him out, but like Dr. Charles just kind of like taking it too in a way that again just didn't feel like dr charles i just thought the back and forth was so interesting and dr charles i mean like teacher said like just kind of gives up like he really doesn't know what to do right right he does just kind of take it and and it's interesting because i mean dietrich here he's put he really is putting up a hard fight um yeah and so and, and dr charles really does just give up but i think i mean would Dr. Charles have zeroed in on this issue had he not been off his meds? I don't know. It's interesting because I feel like he zeroes in on what's going on because he too is going through it himself. I think that's probably part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he knows exactly what's going through this guy's mind. Yeah. But just the fact that, I mean, he may know it, but he doesn't, he, he subconsciously, I think has realized it obviously because his gut instinct was to put Dietrich in the psychiatric observation, Mm -hmm. but he does, I mean, he doesn't know 
know. He doesn't really know like why he did it. Yeah. And the fact that Dr. Charles doesn't really know why he did something mm-hmm. is it, again, just very unlike him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Charles just kind of ends the conversation. He leaves the room and Reese is like, so what are you going to do? And he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. So Reese goes to his office looking for him because he didn't answer her texts. And she's just like, this isn't like you, like you don't give up like this. And he just says, he's like, did it ever occur to you that you're overstepping as a fourth year medical student? I mean, harsh, but also true, but you know, yeah, I also always just forget that she was technically a medical student. There is a moment at the very beginning of this episode where Maggie calls her Dr. Reese. Like, which is it? What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Dr. Charles goes back to see Mr. Dietrich and he tells him he's like, you know, I think the reason you tried to kill yourself is because you have a perfect life and like you think you're not allowed to be sad. Uh And he says, he's like, and like so many people who suffer from depression, you're ashamed to tell anybody about it because you think it's your fault. Ding, 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 ding. Like, and I say this as not just a lawyer, but a lawyer with depression. Hey. Uh, And so he breaks down, he starts crying and he's just talking about how like, you know, he feels like he has the perfect life and he shouldn't be sad. And, you know, um, and Dr. Schultz just says like, you're not alone, which you're not you're not okay not to be okay regardless of what you do for a living regardless of how together your life might seem yep okay so um they call his wife reese has a smile on her face and she witnesses the scene and dr charles comes around and apologizes cool so then at the end of the episode dr charles is walking around with his therapist like he's just he's like walking past the river at night and i'm like i miss chicago i miss doing that i miss it so much I miss doing that. Like when it's super cold out and you're walking back from like Walgreens or like the candy store, wherever the hell you're going at night, back to the hotel and you walk across the river and it's fucking freezing. I just, I miss it. I miss Chicago so much. So much. Ah. We really need to go back. I miss you so much, Chicago. I miss you. It hurts. So yeah, Dr. Charles is walking around with this therapist and he just mentions, he's like, I'm not taking my meds. And he just admits that about like a month before that he started to feel like he was losing his edge. And he's like, I was really worried I was going to make a mistake. And she was just like, let's just like figure out your dose. Let's just like play around with things. But like that to me, I was just like, oh shit. Like I would never fuck around with my meds like that. Like Mm-mm. never. I go, I mean, I, I make sure to never skip my antidepressant, but like, no, I'm sorry. Other way around. I, I take an antidepressant and a sleeping pill. That's also an antidepressant, but I, I wouldn't skip the latter, like the, the sleeping pill. Cause I'm like, I get it. I know exactly what that feels like. You are literally just like a zombie. Like you don't feel emotion. You don't really feel anything. Cause you're just like empty. You're just kind of like, like literally zombie. I get that feeling. So oof. Oof. brave of Dr. Charles. I would not do that. Mm-mm. But it's, and it's a good, healthy, open, honest conversation about mental health. Yeah. Yes. All of it. In a way that doesn't feel too preachy. Right. Right. Like, yeah, obviously they have the whole conversation about like, you're not alone, but it still doesn't come off as preachy. It doesn't. Right. Right. I mean. Which I feel like sometimes with some of that stuff, it's hard to do. 
It can be. I mean, I think I think the you're not alone part helped him because it wasn't like empty. It's not like he led with that. And then the guy was like, how am I not alone? I have no proof of that. Like, right. Dr. Charles really dug down deep and made sure that he understood like, hey, I understand what you're going through. Like, you're not alone. Other people Mm -hmm. go through this. Um, Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Lawyer life is hard. Not the number one takeaway that you should have from that, but you know. Whatever. I don't know. This whole past week and a half about like the Simone Biles and mental health stuff, I've been ready to fight. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say something bad about Simone? Like, let's go. Let's go. So I've been ready yeah. to pounce. Whatever. Yeah. Any other notes on this episode? No, but this is such a good one. It is such a good one. It is such a good one. So um, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Patreon, Public. Where else? That it? Yeah, I think so. So, um, yeah, find us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Um, I don't know what we're covering next week. We'll cover something. We haven't decided yet, but um, don't forget to check out our Tea Public store. They're always having sales over there. They were just having a sale like the other day, and I bought a Loki shirt that I definitely did not need. <laughs> I love how you texted me and you were like, "Oh shit, Tea Public's having a sale. Do I need to buy this?" And I was like, "Did you really just ask me that? Like, you already yeah. know the answer to that." No, it's because all the I, I only have like one piece of Marvel clothing, and it's a Captain America tank that's actually too big for me. So, like, I feel like I need more Marvel gear. I don't know. But, yeah, Tee Public is always having a sale. So, you know, definitely check that out. And the new merch is always on sale for the first, like, 48 hours. So there's new designs up. Go check it out. There is a Joe Cruz jersey. There's a Will Halstead design. There is a Blake, Gallo, and Casey design. There's a Gallo and Ritter design. All sorts of cool stuff. Um, go check that out. Uh, if you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page. You can definitely check that out and figure out which tier is best for you. You guys, our Facebook group's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of good, like, nerdy conversations. It's really Yeah, fun. it's so yeah. much fun. Um, if you like the pod, which we really hope you do, please take a second to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Oh my god, we would so greatly appreciate that. Otherwise, yeah, we don't know what we're covering next week, but we'll cover something. So in the meantime, you know, email us if you want. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. About anything. We're watching all sorts of other stuff. What if starts next week? New Marvel content. Hey. Uh, I know. I'm so excited. You know, new Marvel content. Um, I'm watching Ted Lasso. I'm watching Schmigadoon. I even started an anime last week that I, I haven't watched in a couple of days, but it wasn't bad. Um, what are you watching right now? Um, I watched all the episodes last weekend that are out of Superman and Lois. Um, our was it good? Chris- yeah, it's really good. Um, it's really good. Um, Christine has convinced me to start watching the iCarly reboot. Um, <laughs> she convinced me. I was on like fence, but she convinced me, and then she actually just texted me about it, and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> okay um but it's good I, i've actually really enjoyed it it kind of makes me sad that that's not we're gonna we're not gonna get that version of lizzie mcguire because mm-hmm. like i really wanted the 30 something year old version of lizzie but, yeah and i'll never get over i'll always be mad at disney for that mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that's all i've been watching really cool i can't even say i'm too old for the iCarly reboot christine's older than me so that's just not even I have no excuse. I didn't watch it as a kid, though. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I was 
No, I watched it as a kid. I would still, middle school's like a kid. So. Yeah. And when you were a kid, I was a teen. So yeah. Huh. Interesting. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, in the meantime, everybody, you know, have a good weekend. Be safe. Have fun. Do the thing. And we'll see you next week. So bye.